2: Fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. It's the Town.
0: Hello, Joe. Easter, Rich. How are you? Yeah, I'm happy it's Easter. I'm happy there's been a four-day holiday. I, I can't say I'm happy in terms of football, but, you know, shelf life is irrelevant. If this reaches just a couple of absolute champions who are travelling up to the Wirral for this game, fair play to them. Uh, quite the distance for a bank holiday Monday.
3: Yeah, incredibly well done to you if you are going to that game because there's, there's no need to. It's quite a far. It's a Monday. But, you know, fair play if you, if you are making that track. That's dedication.
0: Yeah. This episode is for you folks. Although I realise now that lots of people could be watching this game, including myself, because we can watch this one, can't we, on iFollow? Because it's not Saturday.
3: Yeah, we can. I don't know that I will, because, well, why would you? But, um, you know, it is possible for people to do it and watch the
0: sadness enrol in, in real time. I think the weather turns now, doesn't it? So I think they're going to get a few more. If, if it was blazing sunshine like we had on Friday during the second half of the monstrosity against... Mansfield. then I think a few people would be like, you know what, I'm going to sit in the beer garden. But two drop rain, according to the BBC, the worst of all rain.
3: Yeah, it was uh, not nicely set up to force us to watch even more Swindon, which is, just seems <laughs> like the plan at the moment.
0: It really does. But I'll oh, embrace it. I'll oh, embrace it. OK, then. So let's get down to business. This episode is a presser for Tramier Rovers, but the majority of the chat was as it tends to be the bigger picture or at least uh, the fallout from the last game against Mansfield. And Joe, I record podcasts with pals and I know our opinions aren't always the general consensus. And we certainly don't intend to tell Swindon Town fans what to think, but I sometimes put out an episode and I think to myself, I wonder how this will do up. Or I wonder if going to upset people in terms of the reaction In a negative way. And I sort of had that feeling post Mansfield because from those who do this pod and volunteer their time on such a regular basis, there just was no appetite to dissect that game. And I wondered whether this was hyperbole or, you know, those who witnessed the game felt the same way. And then Joe, I saw the player and heard coach ratings from. (laughs) <laughs> from from the game that you provided, and I realized that yeah maybe it's not just us that's just feeling a little bit ugh about Swindon Town at the moment
3: yeah there was it was i mean it made me quite angry at the time, although i, I always go back to the fact um i I wrote my top line for the press association before we started and mm. I changed three words for the end and that was that I changed um made a late comeback to came from behind. That was all I changed. So I, I think everyone saw it coming. That what what Maybe not as bad as it was, but it was tough to watch. And as you mentioned with the player and head coach ratings, I made up the head coach rating, never done one before. I felt, <laughs> I, just, I just thought, I'm just going to drop this in there because I want to give him a one.
0: He clearly didn't read it because he spoke to you perfectly fine, didn't he, <laughs> today? I was so. slightly
3: worried when we were called into the countergram that he had read it and that was going to be the reason, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm thankfully not a reader of Total like Matthew Baldry.
0: Hmm. What was the most damning aspect for you? For me, I didn't walk back to the train station and sit on the train and walk from the train station back to my home on Friday angry. It, it, it was, It was, and a few fans have said it, it, was that I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed element of, of the defeat because I've seen worse teams. I think the, the Luke Williams side of 2016-17 are a worse team as a, as a squad of players, but I've never seen a more disinterested performance or at least I don't think I have than what I saw on Friday. We scored two goals. I get that. And I think Mansfield could have probably got more too, but it was just Hepburn Murphy aside, as everyone's acknowledged, it was just so poor, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. I think, some people have said this is the worst winning team they've seen. I think that's going a little bit far. There have been definitely worse ones. But it's. I think you can tell when someone like Fraser Blake-Tracy is usually so up for things and so aggressive and on the front foot, he was he was placid and he didn't really care. And that's when, when someone like that, who is kind of the only leader in that team, has taken that decision, then you can tell where the players are with it. And to be fair, it's where the fans were about three weeks ago. So it makes sense, but... Yeah, it was it was just absolutely nothing to it, and the fact we scored two goals is a bit of a miracle because we basically only had two chances.
0: It really was. It really, really was. So here we are, press conference. There's a bunch of questions about the Mansfield game and generally how the Swindon Town experience is treating Jody Morris. But for you as a journalist and for your colleagues that have to sit here and pose questions, because I listen to the to the presser in full and Jodie Morris is clearly downbeat. He's not providing you as as many quotes as he has done when things are a little bit better. What are the pros and cons for you as a journalist to really test Jodie Morris after that performance? Because I think you all went in with the same normal approach and there wasn't anything too challenging for him and he was able to deal with it quite comfortably. But I think regardless of whether he's the right person for the job or not, and I'm not saying that Jody Morris should should leave his position as Swindon head coach, but he, he should be made accountable for some of the things that have been happening in recent weeks on the pitch, and he's still talking about them and not us, really, isn't he?
3: Yeah, that was the most striking thing for me after Mansfield when I was writing stuff up. He said he said they or them at least six times in these two parts. I am thinking, this is... It's, you know, you can, you can tell where his head is with it. And it's really tough journalistically because I get, you know, when I put it out, people put, send in the questions and I get what they're saying. But for me, it's, um, this is kind of the whole crux around one of my questions is, how do I word this in a way where I can still speak to this guy in three days' time? Yeah. Because I, I obviously can't come out and be like, why are you useless? Or, you know, why aren't, why, 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 why don't you change everything about what you're doing? I can't say that to him. It wouldn't work. So it's about you know using this having having sat in a, a room with Andrew Holt a lot of times over the past years trying to use what you know sort of his methods to to carefully word questions that are a bit more loaded than they end up sounding which was which was my idea today, say where I'm taking what people have asked me to ask and try and turn it into a way that makes it easy for him to answer and then he can you know Either hoist his own himself on on that patard, or try and turn things around with a, a fan base that is clearly seems pretty sick of his uh, spiel at the moment.
0: You know, I, I do similar with the pod. You know, I, I I put out the quotes from listeners to show that it's not just you know four or five sados talking into a mic <laughs> and putting it out. I do try and show that it's there's a lot of comments out there that aren't happy, and indeed there are comments out there from people that try and remind Swindon of where we've come in the last two years. And that kind of happened on Saturday, looking around social media. Friday was all just let it out. And then, you know, there's some pro-ownership rhetoric. And I don't think yesterday, I don't think Friday was about ownership issues. It was about the absolute (laughs) turgid performance again at the county ground. But it, it it is quite the thing. There was a banner put on the the fence just outside the county grounds site, um, which you don't normally see in happy times, even if it's just one banner. I think it's quite symbolic because if you annoy that element of the fan base, you know things aren't going very well. Yeah, the banner is, I think, kind of where that point
3: twists from, um, as you say, from Friday into Saturday, where where it's, you know, gushing, not gushing, but, you know, getting it out over the, the... another poor performance where Swindon offered nothing and showed no signs of improvement. And then it turns into people possibly going over the top with rotten top to bottom, which is you know, where where they were coming from. And then it's like, well, not really. I mean, I know quite a lot of people around the counterground now and I don't personally think any of them, are many of them certainly <laughs> are rotten. It's, it's not their fault that the team's performing poorly. So that's, you know, when when maybe the, the overwhelming jury goes, OK, I think you've over, overcooked that. A little bit, but it is. It just certainly shows where people have gotten to with this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I would say so, and I think we'll cover that a bit more nearer to the end of the season to see what what's said between now and then. So let's go to this press conference. I was sort of hoping Johnny Leefield of the Advertiser would be on site because he had an example this time <laughs> 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 when he was asked last week to provide an example of uh, of him. Pretty much blaming the players, and well, he did it again uh, against Mansfield or after Mansfield. But Johnny wasn't on this, uh, wasn't involved in this particular presser, so we didn't get to uh, enjoy uh, that little moment. But Johnny Morris was asked about how challenging this is for him, a first time senior head coach. What did he say here?
3: Yeah, he was, um, I think again saying well it's not really me where he turns this onto how difficult this has been to him it's like well I, I it's talking about how much he cares and looking people thinking maybe they don't care or they aren't as frustrated with things as he is um, you know it's, again it's separating himself from maybe where everyone else is where he can he can I don't know I don't think it's worked but come off as being a bit better it's like you know this is this is this is really annoying for me. I'm as frustrated as anyone else, but I I feel like maybe the people around me aren't aren't acting in the same way in his from his point of view. And he talks about times in his career where, as a as a player and a manager, where you look around you and think the next person isn't isn't trying as hard as he is to change things, and that that may well be true. He, he talks about you know, across this press conference that the moment at halftime where he felt that it wasn't bothering the players enough that they were performing as badly as they were and um, you know and having to get over that mentality to try and get past this
0: whenever i hear jody morris talk about his players i'm reminded of the david squires sketch or joke when paulo decanio was in charge we beat stoke in the league cup and it was a it was an angry decanio uh, saying it's me it's me and then we when we get beaten by preston it's them. It's them. I think, I think we got a little bit of that in Jodie Morris. Yeah, definitely. I think the difference is that's like, D'Canio's charisma that can
3: show in those moments. And we, we know from the various interviews you've done on this pod that you know, maybe he wasn't the most popular person all the time, but he could get that reaction from people by saying stuff like that. And Jodie Morris so far has shown no signs of being able to turn that apathy into a will to do more um, from the players, which... I think it's partially based on where the season is meandering towards. But certainly when, when you're a first-time head coach, this is the kind of situation that he needs to get over quite quickly and figure out a way to t- to turn the players into, into no longer being they
0: and becoming we. <laughs> it's a dangerous risk. Well, it's not a dangerous risk, but it is a risk because he, he spoke in this press conference about wishing he had a pre-season with them which is one of those things that's like we came in so late in the season. What does it matter? uh, Really, you you came in at a really bad time uh, for a head coach the day of the end of a transfer window. But it it just, if he keeps that rhetoric flowing, then he will be firmly judged on the summer. And if we don't see improvement or positive results in August, September, he's instantly under the cosh, isn't he?
3: Absolutely, I think you know if if various people are in or out on Morris, then the summer is the only thing that can change that, because you know th- this season isn't going to become good overnight. There's no way that that happens. So he's he's that preseason is going to become crucial. He he does mention it. He also said that you know it's fitness isn't the reason that we keep losing games late on. It is you know, he says the numbers stay the same, and that they're not dropping off loads in terms of their running late in games. That's not. What's happening? So it is is that mentality that that seems to have crept in? Which interestingly, interestingly, I've been thinking over the past few days about um, the days prior to Morris's appointment. Marcel Lavinia told us pretty emphatically that Jody Morris would bring the winning mentality to the players, which clearly hasn't happened. So you know, this, the preseason is is now the key for him. If uh, uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if he does get sacked. I, I kind of think that. There's, there's a bit like various people the conversation should maybe be being had if he's deserves to have the preseason at all, but let's say he gets that far he we We can't be starting next season slowly because he's told us all these times that if he can get that time on the grass with the players, he'll be able to make this team into a challenger indeed
0: indeed and it given the form of Chelsea over the weekend uh, continuing it it doesn't sound like Jody would be joining. Uh, Frank Lampard anytime soon, or that Jody Morris has any interest in that too. That was quite an answer he gave uh, in relation to that.
3: Yeah, definitely a surprise. I guess he said, he, "I mean, I positive, I suppose that he didn't watch the Chelsea game at all, which means he was deprived of an absolutely sumptuous Mateus Nunes volley." But you know, <laughs> um, he, he 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 missed that. He said, obviously, he has spoken to Frank Lampard since he's gone back, but is um, there's there's no way that he's he is going with him at all. He's, he wants. He said he wants Lampard to do well, but he, he kind of doesn't care because he's thinking about other things. And my personal highlight of this answer, and possibly the press conference as a whole, was when he referred to Lampard as a good mucker.
0: Hey, but are you sure it was a muck? I'm pretty sure he said mucker.
3: Otherwise, it's a, a, a ve- very <laughs> a difficult end the two had to their partnership. If he said something else that ends in ucker.
0: Mm, indeed, yeah. It, uh, big, big quote for me in, in that particular question was Jody Morris claimed, for, claimed Chelsea to be his club. Frank Lampard did that the other day. Whose club is it? <laughs> Who owns this club?
3: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it would be quite nice if Swindon were his club, but I guess we're not changing that one. No, and I don't think we will anytime soon. Let's move back to Swindon Town-related matters. And Morris was asked about the players. And as, as you said before, that, that notion of them not looking bothered at halftime, and it sounds like there's been a lot of soul searching and a lot of conversation since then.
3: Yeah, he. well, I asked on, on Friday, you know, presumably uh, if they were going to be on the Saturday and that very much happened, but not in terms of a, a long training session or sort of an Eric Ten Hag, like you're going to have to run 13 miles or whatever it ended up being um, after the Brentford game. Um, it was, he said that at, at in that halftime, he was, you know, trying to and drill into the players what they weren't doing and there was it was a large degree of apathy from them at that point and this is the same point where he also said on on Friday that he decided not to make any subs because there were too many subs to make um, but they then they sat again down again with the players on Saturday and um, showed them 45 clips of on and off the wall stuff of lots of stuff they did wrong during the first half um, And um, I think he said that there was there was no real disagreement from the players, which it would be interesting if they did have a sort of, well, actually, I thought we did okay in that particular part. Um, I I would like to see what the disagreement could have been, but none was none was forthcoming. They were they were all um, uh, I don't know about sorry necessarily, but they were all um, very, very willing to accept that they'd not put in even remotely a shift once he laid it out in. An, um, technicolor video for them.
0: I mentioned in the last episode that we pretty much have a, a pool of players now, regardless of how big our squad actually is. I think we're, we're down to about 15-16 that Morris is prepared to play on match day. He was asked about selection, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he was being asked in terms of, do you need to make over, just a just as a statement, should you be overhauling this team because of disappointment and he said he it would be easy if only a couple of them had played badly because then you can make those switches and it doesn't matter quite as much because you have a few players who can come in but he certainly won't be changing all 11 off the basis of this although I guess if he'd said all of the players on the bench were injury doubts then we could have expected that but um, he was yeah he was it was I think there'll be a couple of changes but he was Certainly looking at it, it, was, well, I'm still going to have to try and pick a team that's quite good. And he, as you say, he definitely so, does seem to have zeroed in on the starting eleven we saw and then Lavinia Shade and uh, Johnny Williams are kind of his fringe guys and then maybe catchy a little bit as well. But you know, it, you'd know, you be surprised, certainly in the way was, we'll get to in a second, the way he talked about Clayton and a couple of others who maybe aren't in the squad at the moment. They're certainly not going to be coming in from the cold just so he can show the players, how bad they were against Mansfield.
0: Yeah, it seems that the end is here for Luke Jeffcott too, doesn't it? Based on unless he's injured and I missed that. And that's kind of understandable given that it's not worked out and we've got Adeloy who's who's available next season. So it's just one of those things, isn't it?
3: Yeah, he certainly wasn't referenced as an injury um, on Thursday or again today. So it, it doesn't sound like it was that reason. I don't think anyone's too upset. The Luke Jeffcott thing made a lot of sense at the time, having good goals at this level and the one above. But it hasn't worked at all, really. And yeah, there's there's no way we keep him around for next year. Adeloid's contracted, so if you're going to use someone, you may as well see if there's anything in him. And yeah, Jeffcott. I would be surprised if we see him in a red shirt again.
0: Mm, indeed. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, Tom Clayton doesn't sound good considering. Just a few weeks or months ago, I think, you know, for those who I talk to as Swindon fans, I think Tom Clayton was identified as a future Swindon Town captain. Then he got injured and it's all gone terribly wrong. What's happening here? Yep. Yeah, um, he's he's obviously said that Clayton's had fairly up and down
3: time under him and then was sounded like he was going to say, I'm not going to rule him out for tomorrow. Thought about it again and then said, I'm not going to call him out, rule him out, you know, for the rest of the season or whatever. So that was slightly strange when he realised, I guess he realised he was certainly not going to be playing him against Tranmere and probably won't be in the squad again. But um, he's, he then went back to the sort of um, the, the logistics of him not being in the squad, but based on the fact that um, he felt that Lavinia could have come in and play as an outside centre-back in the system that we began with and there were enough defenders on the pitch that meant made us more flexible and so by leaving uh, Clayton and in turn Minturn as well as center backs off the bench he can have a few more attacking options to switch things up with which is why why he wasn't involved as, as opposed to being an injury or anything else but uh, as not not certainly not as harsh as he was on Key and Harry's uh, probably about 2 weeks ago now he was certainly not high on Clayton um from his time here so far what's your thoughts on that well, it is. I think I saw someone say this earlier um, that you know, Clayton has shown that he's an incredibly good centre back. For as he was, you know, Im- impeccable all the first half of the season up until getting injured, and so it's very much on Morris to be able to get a tune out of someone that we've committed to for the long term. And frankly, as especially being a left-footed centre back, is someone that could probably earn. I mean, <laughs> to use what Sandra would be looking at, earn to win a decent amount of money. Um, as a sale (laughs) or just be a very important player for us for the mid to long term because he's a young player who's has shown leadership qualities at time as well and just being a very good player but clearly the injuries stopped still to this season and maybe it is the lack of McDonald alongside him that has kind of hurt his latter half of the season he still needs someone a bit more experienced next to him to help him through the games and with him and Blake Tracy both being left-footers, that isn't happening. Um, They rarely play together. So I guess that you could probably see that as as the reason for his downturn in form, as well as maybe just not properly coming back from from the injury and finding his feet again.
0: Yeah, fair point, fair point. Okay, well, next up is the fact that April's frightfully busy, isn't it? We record now on the 9th, we play Tramia on the 10th, And after Tramier, there are still five more games to play this month. We've got Barrow and Bradford at home, then the Wimbledon away day, over a thousand going to that, incredible. Uh, The big one for Stevenage (laughs) in midweek, and then Crewe on the penultimate. And then we've got to wait nine days to see this season out in what could be a very fun game against Crawley. It could be the biggest dead rubber in history. uh, Perhaps we'll see. So this is no shock, given I think it's just—is it just the Stevenage game that that's added? It's always a busy time. It's, it's usually my one of my favourite parts of the season because it's it's constant. It's so busy. It's often very exciting, and we're not going to probably experience that. What did Jody Morris say about the usually very busy and is very busy April?
3: Yeah, he he said that he'd spoken with the squad. Uh, probably about a week ago about the the fact that this fixture congestion was going to become a bit of a more of a thing as we moved into April and the fact that he was talking about using the squad a bit then and then I think kind of went away from that because then he then he put sort of but you know with the way things are going I'm gonna have to be picking teams that I think can win the games um, so much and then kind of followed up on with the question about if he preferred having a game coming quickly afterwards to try and forget about what happened and he gave the anecdotal story of having left the ground at about 10 past 8 on Friday and immediately thinking that he wanted tranmere straight away and um just to try and get over it and put put that performance out of out of the mind a little bit more and having the opportunity to do that a few times over the next few weeks and then um what potentially could be a mission statement for the summer saying that that, that if if he that is kind of the attitude he wants from players that he signed someone who wants a game more than training next to really put things right instantly rather than you know waiting a bit longer and dwelling on things that was a, a characteristic he said he was would be something he'd be looking for in a player
0: we'll see I, I, I fear we might we might see more injuries and how many of those injuries are, are genuine ones or really as long term as they're going to be uh, it's not for me to say but that's my cynical prediction.
3: Yeah, I think I I don't think it's going to be one of those positions where people are paying through the pain barrier. I'll put it that way. Mm.
0: Well, I hope we're selling this to you to put your ten pounds <laughs> down for for Tramier uh, on we Monday. The
3: pitch, didn't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give it a go. Well, I'll I'll, I'll be watching. I'm sure. So Tramier Rovers, if if you want a team to be playing as badly as we are and as getting mediocre results as we've been getting then look no further you're not having a great time at all uh, they start the season with quite a little bit of uh, promotion noise I would say it's not gone that way they've had a very similar season to Swindon's um, they're on a similar run of form also uh, in their last five games uh, they beat Ginningham on March 11th. And since then, they've lost at home to Newport. Drawn away 1-1 to Colchester. Drawn Harragher at home on Friday. They lost at Carlisle 2-0. It's really not going very well for them and their interim manager, Ian Dawes. Players that you'll know, well, you'll know Jordan Turnbull, former player of the season at Swindon, of course. Trowbridge lad, he is playing for them. The sad reality is we've been sat in 11th for what feels like an eternity, despite these these negative results that we've been uh, experiencing. I think about four or five games in a row, we, we found ourselves left in 11th, mainly because Doncaster are mirroring us, and I think so are Tramia. Tramia beat us this weekend. They leapfrog us. They're currently sat in 14th. So we could, sadly, if we don't get a win, we could begin to see the very significant drop because, you know, down to sixteenth, we're only three points away. Goal difference is on our side though. So I think we can only go as far as thirteenth, fourteenth if results go against us. But the eleventh position has really glossed over some of the some of the dire football that we've seen. It's just everyone above us is winning and we're drifting away. That game in hand that we have will still have us quite some way away uh, from 10th and 9th. Um, we really need to get something from this, from morale, if if nothing else.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at this, it's a, a the games coming up are kind of against teams to whom it might matter, with the exception of maybe Wimbledon and Crew. So, you know, this is kind of the one, if we are to break the break the run, especially it's five or six games so to try and move out a win similar to us. You know, if we, if we are to do that, this is probably the place and time To get it over with against another team that cares so little about the rest of their season that they're not going to appoint a manager for the rest of it, by the looks of things, after getting rid of Mickey Mellon. So, yeah, it it does. (laughs) Two teams on the beach. Who's who's got more sun cream on?
0: Yeah, ten pounds. I follow. Join us. Oh, is there is there a worse fixture to try and convince the majority to watch without having to travel to the chateau? I, I can't imagine there is.
3: And it's it's a real yeah. advert for why Dizone should be putting more money into the EFL as well.
0: Yeah. And and <laughs> um I'm more than sure Doncaster, Walsall, Grimsby, Crew, Newport, Wimbledon and Gingham are all saying, hey, what about us? Yes, that's fair enough. You sit in the... Uh, the <laughs> you also apply to what could be the most pointless fixture to uh, to watch too. I, mean, I was just looking like next, we've got Barrow at home and Barrow's Monday game is against Crawley. So if they win that, then they really are pushing Salford and, and Mansfield. And if they drop points, they really it will be their last roll of the dice really at the county ground so they will be fighting for something so yes and then it's bradford who will be looking to solidify their playoff place maybe even automatic if if results go their way it's oh yeah it, i've i've stopped with the no and swindon will and win uh, <laughs> I've, I've i've lost that fight now and they'll be pleasantly surprised if we do but yeah Tramier is the one where, if we just just to take the pressure off the players, take the pressure off Jody Morris, a positive result will will, will be very much embraced.
3: Yeah, because I mean, if it if it does run further, and as someone suggested, we're not going to win again for the rest of the season, then that's that's really going to be testing any patience that's left with this squad and Jody Morris, because you know you, you can't you can't run sort of twelve thirteen games to the end of the season with no wins in it and think let's run it
0: back yeah you certainly can oh dearie 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 me um it's just the games that I'm looking at for the remainder of the season where I'm like well that that's the one where we need to they're all away days all of our home games are potentially quite tricky aren't they yeah and particularly so because we're so awful at home as well so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't
3: help help matters as well. If the case ground does want to see another win.
0: What on earth was I hoping to get from you from that question? Goodness me, what is the matter with me? I'm so sorry. Um, yes, Rich, it's pretty bad at the moment. <laughs> uh do we <laughs> in have case any... you didn't know. in case you didn't know, Joe, uh things are pretty bad. Uh Jody Morris was asked about injuries. Always the first question he's asked, but we've 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 taken half hour to get here. There is there is a new injury, isn't there?
3: Yep, um, congratulations to Saidu Khan on starting another game um, he's, they're waiting on Saidu Khan to see if he's fine, um, he had a problem in his glute apparently um, I saw him walking into the counter ground ahead of the other players, so I imagine um, sort of about, we, we, before we started and they were coming in as we were leaving, so you know Saidu Khan obviously getting checked out before they headed off, up towards Tranmere so you know, he was he's on the injury list but as has been the case for basically every other person who they're waiting on, he will be starting,
0: I would imagine. (laughs) Seems to be the way. Ronan Darcy was touch and go, and there he is, starting lineup. Yeah, it's a a real Richie Wellens calling card at this point, where
3: do you want to know which rogue player will be playing? That'll be mentioned in the injury
0: report. (laughs) Uh, What did Jodie Morris say about Tramier, if anything of note? Yeah, um, he was kind of talking about um, Mansfield for a lot of the
3: answer, but... I'm saying that Tram Mirror very similar to us, which again really sells the game for iFollow. follow. don't know if the EFL want to sponsor this particular podcast to plug it, but Tram Mirror try and, try and play football like us. And again, they sort of make a lot of individual mistakes and lapses in concentration that allow other teams to score goals and beat them. Um, so <laughs> it'll be re- a, a bit like it will be with Wimbledon in a few weeks' time, where both of us love to lose, game late, lose games late on. Uh, these are two teams who will be making lots of sloppy errors as they try and play football and, uh, and will be punishing each other. So it could potentially be another Rochdale.
0: Good. Well, at least the away fans get four goals, eh? Well, I mean, that, that would certainly make it worthwhile
3: if you get to see a, a few goals, a bit of excitement, which is certainly tough to come by at home.
0: Yeah, and, and we will get our top scorer onto ten goals if Charlie has another game and if indeed if Johnny Williams gets one more, he hits ten. So that that's that's my focus for the season now. Just get a get a goal scorer into the into double figures. Goodness me.
3: Yeah, hopefully one of them can get but it's a fairly meagre amount of goals. You'd hope at least one of them will be able to get over that line. That you Romeo Hutton can get into double figures assists as well. He's on nine at the moment, so he could have double digit players in both goals and assists which really save the season.
0: Mm, indeed, we truly are on the voyage to the bottom of the road. Shall we go to the Joe zone? Let's do it.
3: Um when you speak to the players and you sort of look at what they're doing on the training ground, do you feel like they're still you know, responding to your messages in the way they want to try and do the things you're getting into, doing? They're still like energized to try and get behind what you're trying to build into this club
4: well I've I've got no qualms about how they've been training Uh, I actually think and I I said it to I said it to one of the players yesterday when I was having a talk about where we are and I I said that I've I've really liked how they've trained for two two and a half weeks Um, I've got no qualms and even during the game Ed Ed said to me he went I just want us to play like we train Um, and that's obviously a a disappointment because you do get to see what they're capable of and like I said I've been I've enjoyed and I've liked the level of application of uh, focus in training Um, I've liked um, I want them to show it on match days but um, obviously there's a difference between what you can produce in training and, and replicating that and producing that on match days in front of the fans and when it counts is obviously the all important thing um, but I've got no qualms about how they've trained. I've, if anything, <laughs> the training's been improving as the longer I've been here, but um, like I said, the fact that you've got Ed saying to me, I want us to, why we, why can't we play how we're training, is, uh, I think says it all. Yeah,
3: and then, obviously, Jacob Wakeling played at wing-back at the weekend. He's done that a few times, I remember, at uh, Orient as well. What did you see in him that made you want to play him in that position rather than... So much
4: more natural to it. Uh, just, I, I think that if we was able to gain control, um, I was thinking before the weekend, if we were able to gain control because we had the three defenders that should rule out um, the two that were putting us under pressure, we should we should be able to threaten in those areas. It's not playing five, like I said. I know there was four defenders on the pitch. Um, obviously, Hutz is more of a an attacking defender, so you could argue that there was three and. Um, I think Joe Tomlinson's a very good attacking player as well. Um, it's more from the the fact that I believe that if you gain control and you you can get further up the pitch that you've got a, another threat out wide and the fact that he can run, he's left-footed, he's done it extremely well against Leighton Orient. Um, ideally, I wouldn't want to play him in wing-back all the time. Like I said, the, the fact that he's, he's had to do it at Leighton Orient was because we had a serious injury to... Rooster Bynes, which um, is obviously more suited to that type of role, but um, trying to pick a team that is, is going to affect the opposition and be able to give you opportunities to get in behind and threaten from all different areas was the reason that looking at Wakey there, I mean, um, ideally he's not one that you would want to rely on from a defensive aspect too much, but um, like I said, it was more from the thinking that I feel that we can I felt that we'd be able to threaten them, but if you under if you don't produce and you un, you underperform to the level that we did, you're hardly gonna get an opportunity to see why you do that anyway.
0: Okay then so you asked about if the players are still responding to what he was asking and I think that's a really good and fair question because I, I mentioned it in in the in the last pod I did there were people that were saying that Jody Morris was calling out instructions during the game, and, and Swindon players simply weren't adhering to those instructions. But it goes without saying, he he was positive. If anything, Joe, they're training too well.
3: Yeah, they're they're doing they're doing t- so well on the training ground, and they just forget it when they walk in in the players' entrance. This was this is kind of my way of getting around asking him if he'd lost the dressing room. So saying, you know are they still responding to the? messages he's giving and showing the application to do the things that he's asking. And certainly he says that they will. And Ed Brand's having a bit of a puzzling time trying to work out why, what is different about playing at Beversbrook in the county ground at the moment in terms of um, translating it over. So certainly if if he is to be believed, and it would be a bit surprising if he admitted that he had lost them, uh, the dressing room is not yet lost to Jody
0: Morris. Good, 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 good. And then of course there was the question about Jacob Wakeling, Jake Wakeling, because I think a lot of people, again, are observing that if it wasn't for Wakeling's form at the start of the season, we'd be in quite the pickle right now. And it's quite frustrating, having remembered the positive impact he made at Leighton Orient, getting that goal, that we play him in in the position where he's not comfortable, he's not good enough, and we're missing out on on his attacking threat. Jody Morris doesn't exactly like playing him there, but needs must.
3: Yeah, he, he did, of course, score that goal against Leighton Orient from playing left wing back. So it can have some impact, but it was, I don't know, it know, it just felt like it was it, the way the game went. It was accentuating all of all of the things that you wouldn't want to accentuate in Jacob Wakeling's game in terms of obviously not having the best defensive positioning and maybe not being able to get up as much as he would like for, in the forward areas when Suna had the ball because he had to be doing that defending. But um, yeah, Morris obviously not wanting to do it too much, um, because, because he's not a wing back. But um, he felt that if Swindon had, had been in control, which which we weren't a, at all, um, that he would just sort of be another attacker anyway, and it wouldn't really matter um, the fact that he was actually playing as a wing back. Which is fair enough. I can see I can see kind of where he's come to that conclusion. But it did also rely on us holding control of again, which it doesn't really feel like we've done for quite some time.
0: I'm reminded of when John Sheridan played Tom Broadbent up front for one game and he made a huge difference. And then they played him in the following game against Crewe and it was a centre-back playing up front, (laughs) which might as well have been that time David James played up front. It was that awkward and not very good.
3: Yeah, I I think you can do it once. It's a bit like a trick play in the NFL. You can do it once and people won't see it coming, maybe.
2: Yeah, um, but if you
3: do it a few times and they've seen you do it before, so they're they're planning for it a little bit and they can expose that. And I thought uh, Elliot Hewitt for Mansfield was really good in that game for them at, at right wing back, and he exposed Wakeling quite easily a few times.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's definitely where I was going down. You do it once, it works, make an impact do it again and you know the better the better players when they do their scouting and they get better players on the on the situation it it doesn't work the second time or and they keep trying sometimes don't they okay well that's almost it um congratulations you might not have got the exact score right but you did want points on the board and you predicted a loss and a two goal (laughs) difference between so you got your precious points well done yeah at least someone got points Mm, indeed um well, what are we going for? You first. Oh, it's got 1-1 one, one written all over it for me.
3: I, 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 no way we win. Yeah, I
0: think you're absolutely spot on with that. I feel the same vibes, I guess, but I will stick to my nil-nil because I'm going to put £10. Um, this is available on I follow. <laughs> I'm going to have my Joy Division oven gloves and have a great old time. Joe, thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much, Rich.
0: The Load Strangers is an independent podcast, and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. I said, Bubble.